Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future. This episode of the podcast is supported by Doing the Damage, the only DJ pool focused exclusively on house and dance music. Supplying the best remixes, bootlegs, mashups and exclusive promos from their global network of DJs, producers and labels. Check it out now at doingthedamage.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast, including chats with James Hype, Ben Hemsley, Ridney, Vanilla Ace, Tim from the Utah Saints, and many, many more. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and on Mixcloud. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house. In this episode, I talked to Kiva about her first experiences of dance music via Fatboy Slim from a boat near Port Rush to her first gigs in the local Cookstown venues. We chat about the effects of lockdown and her plan for the future. We touch on the added pressures of being female in such a male-dominated industry, and Kiva gives some great advice to any aspiring female DJs. So, let's get into it. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Kiva, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining the show. Um, before we begin, how have you coped with lockdown? How's it been for you? Oh, um, lockdown's actually, well, I should be working full-time from home um, in my full-time job, but it actually has left me with a lot more motivation to do stuff outside of clubs because I'm not gigging and stuff. Yeah. And as I just started, you know, back up at the beginning of the year with DJing, um, yeah, it kind of gave me that that back into push on to promote my name through clubs again in the country. So great. And as, have you found it easier? Like, have you found have you found there's been more like eyeballs and ears online or out there to to listen to hear to you? Or do you, is the has the competition got bigger? Or is that yeah? How have you found that in in this like last few three months or so? A bit of both, I suppose. There, people are spending a lot more time online, I think. But um, then, like you say, every DJ is doing the same thing. You know, they're they're out of work at the moment, and they've got plenty of spare time to to put the work in. So, apart from Suat, who's currently floating on a boat down the river somewhere, I'm sorry, he's like, do you know who the guy I'm talking about? The guy does the live streams with the um, controller strapped to his body and stuff. Have you seen no. him? Oh, you need to check it out, right? So he's called Suat S U A T, and mm-hmm. he's like um, he does these live streams where he literally like walks around with a controller. And just before I was at, I went on Facebook just to get your email and stuff, and he's like currently floating down a river in like a canoe with a like a, <laughs> with a controller strapped to him doing a DJ set. So I've seen the guy on the bike. Is that him? Yeah, probably. But yeah, so not everyone's doing the same stuff. But let's let's crack on. We start in the same place as always. What are your first memories of of music so like you know where were you when you first you know way before DJing way before anything else is it parents is it brothers and sisters is it just is it in the car is it at home like what are your very very first memories as a child going way back what are your very first memories of music Mm -hmm. oh gosh yeah my parents would have been quite old school um a lot of country music a lot of Garth Brooks and Dixie Chicks played yeah um but my mum would have been a little more alternative. Maybe she was very into Tracy Chapman. Okay. And um, a lot of Prince influence. But yeah, I think I just kind of took off in a very electronic direction. 
probably about 13, 14, which was unheard of. Like I'm from a very small country town. And um, so where's yeah. that in relation to in relation to Dublin or Cork or where is that in, in Ireland, like relation wise stuff that people might might have known the biggest cities? Mm, so I'm probably about two and a half hours from Dublin. Okay. About an hour from Belfast originally. But um, I live and work in Belfast at the moment. Just OK. Sorry. OK. Sorry, sorry, I've got you the wrong place. Yeah, OK. Mm hmm. And so was that and that where you grew up? You like, grew up in Belfast? Um, probably about an hour from Belfast. An, about an hour from Belfast. Okay. Where did those um where did those electronic influences come from then at that early age when you're in a sort of a relatively isolated uh, well not isolated, but you know you're you're not in a big city, you wouldn't you were in Manchester or London or something. Where did those electronic influences come from? Yeah, I guess it was just kind of the the emergence of of internet at that stage and everyone was just starting to get online and infrared and Bluetoothing songs to each other on their phones and that just all kind of it was the rise the rise and fall of LimeWire. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's still going, the, isn't it? <laughs> is it? I don't know. I think so. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was I was reminded of like Soul Seek really recently. I think it was even this podcast, and someone was. No, I'll tell you who it was. It was um, who's the guy? I'm going to be really upset. Patrick something. He does the like he does the terrace on a Tuesday for um, Electric Playground. Um, oh yes. I'm going to be really embarrassed. That I've forgotten his name because I've spent so much time with him. But I was like, I was looking for a track, and I messaged him, and I was like, "Where'd you get that from?" It was like a really extended version of like an old rave thing, and he was like, "Soul Seek," and I was like, "Soul Seek's still a thing," and he was like, "Oh yeah, man, get it checked out." So I was like, "Dan, I got like a really, I, got, I was looking for a really rare acapella like yesterday, and um, to do a track with, or maybe do a track with, and it was on some like super super old." um acapella tracks thing that came out in 92 and i couldn't find it online anywhere and i'm one of those people that believes if it exists it's online like you must be able to find it mm -hmm. and i couldn't find it on any youtube channel i couldn't find it on like acapellas for you or anything like that and um found it, so some guy had it on soul seek on this like he had the vinyl that had been ripped and i was like oh can i have this and he was like because it was locked and he was like yeah i'll swap it for some other stuff and i was like mate here's my dropbox to all my acapellas take what you want <laughs> and he was just want. like yeah he's crack on. um all right so you were sort of just finding stuff online wire and sharing it with friends and stuff like that yeah i guess so yeah would have been <laughs> and then so when I guess the, one of the questions that we come to like a lot, which sounds like a silly question, but going back to when you were that age, like so like 12, 13, 14, when you're just discovering this stuff, how did you become, how did you first become aware that anyone was a DJ? Like, was it, was it on radio? Was, did a friend have some decks? Like, had you seen someone at a gig, like an underage thing or something? Like, when were you first aware that someone, anyone was a DJ? Well, that's it. I think as as a kid, you just assumed DJs were just radio DJs, and that was their whole job was presenting and and the persona behind it. And I think the music DJs just. I remember actually being we we kind of um ended up at a Fatboy Slim concert. It was on the beach in Portrush, and I was just a kid. But my parents took our boat over, and we ended up listening from the boat, and. Um, me and my mum had a conversation and I, I was like, but that's that's not his song. And she was like, but it is his song because he can take it and change it. And I was like, but does he not need like 
permission and all and we oh, had a, a little conversation about that, about that. <laughs> <laughs> innocent <laughs> shout out to Cole Hamilton by the way he probably had something to do with that um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you as soon as you mentioned I'll, I'll miss yeah I haven't been to uh to, to Portrush for a while but I love that club um that's cool so you sort of like even at quite a young age you sort of you 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 surely did on a boat and caught a bit of fat boy slim that's quite mm-hmm. a cool story mm-hmm. that would have been my first live DJ yeah and then was it because the, the, it's funny you mentioned about the radio because I've spoken to like there's a couple of guys on this podcast like Mark McCabe and um, Stephen Cooper who are like the more like Southern Ireland Dublin stuff but mm-hmm. even like um, I know Neil McClelland and there's a couple of other guys the Northern Irish guys but like in Ireland is uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland but the whole of the island of Ireland there was quite a big history of like pirate radio stations and independent dance music radio stations and a lot of them became sort of you know legal or whatever or licensed but but yeah there was uh, again like speaking to Mark McCabe and a lot of things like Pulse I remember and stuff but there was quite a lot of of those radio stations do you remember listening to those when you were when you were quite young oh really very vaguely I think um oh I think it it was more mainstream radio stations that came Okay. By me. So what sort of tracks are we are we talking about? If we go back to that kind of like age 13, 14 time, what sort of tracks were you remembering here in the in that sort of electronic y stuff that you started oh, to kind of catch your ear and mm-hmm. it was all Tiesto and Kami and DJ Rankin. Oh my gosh, it was it was the absolute cheese, but it was brilliant at the time. Everyone loved it. It's still brilliant now, to be yeah. fair. I mean, it, I mean, I was going to... I know, it, a lot of skill involved. But yeah, it, 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 it say they've made a massive comeback. But, like, ranking mm-hmm. and all those guys and that, you know, the raver stuff that they've done, I Am Raver stuff that they've done recently is just packed out clubs all mm-hmm. over the UK. Do you know what I mean? And I, you know, yeah, all over the place. Yeah, like it's refreshing, like, coming back again. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, did you get... So were you getting kind of, like, mixed CDs or... Or like, were you getting like mixes of those guys? Where where were you finding their music? Because they wouldn't have been on like commercial mainstream radio stations. No, that would have probably been online. That would have been trawling through, searching all the what would have been hashtags at the time, all the keywords in in search sites to try and find um, electronic dance music, which really wasn't, you know, commercialized where I'm from at the time. What are your memories of like? Um, go into like your first like what came, I, mean, I was gonna ask what came first did it was it was it that you started going to clubs first before you really got the interest in becoming a dj or did you really have the interest in becoming a dj before you started going to those clubs at you know 16 17 18 i'm sure you didn't go to nightclubs underage of course but yeah. <laughs> of course not of course um not. my first memory of actually being like this could be a real thing was i started working in a nightclub in Cookstown, which is the town I'm originally from. Okay. And everything was so commercial and all those clubs were so commercial. It was just chart music or maybe a few little like house remixes of chart stuff and everything was very commercial. And a DJ called Connor Coates from Belfast, yeah. he does show here too, yeah. um, got sent down to Belfast on Friday nights. And it, or sorry, got sent down to Cookstown on Friday nights from Belfast and it just blew my mind. It was a whole different world of EDM. I think I was 18 at the time. Was this going to Belfast, sorry? Sorry, it was coming from Belfast down oh. into this country town where okay. nothing like this was ever heard of. Um, and I think I think that actually finished up because they they blamed it, like, this music on fighting and, like, controversy in the clubs. And, oh, 
it was incredible but it was it just blew my mind and at that stage that's when I started to feel goosebumps for music for electronic music it actually okay. like brought up emotions and I was like I need to do this what, so. so so you were working in a club or, were mm-hmm. you, or what were you, were you like a glass collector or were you like working behind the bar or were you working in the cloakroom or what were you doing um, I did. I've done a little bit of everything in clubs over the years. I started. <laughs> I think everybody does. The start yeah. of the I started behind the bar in a club um, when I was eighteen, and then I started guest listing. Um, I used to go around with the super soakers when that was legal, and then I went in. I actually went whoa, to whoa, whoa. What, tell us about this. What's the super? <laughs> what's the super soaker story? Girls used to walk around in hot pants with super soakers and beer bongs, and you know, you just is this, is this, is this in Belfast? You're talking about. Yeah, is this right, not okay, a thing? So, so, so what what sort of clubs might you have been frequenting with a, a super soaker in Belfast? Come on, let's 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 hear. Oh, Neiman and Shaven. Yeah, well, no, no, glorifying. <laughs> if anything, I think. No, there was a there was a company at the time ran by a guy called Jamie White in Dublin. Okay, and it was called the Clubbing Group, and then they okay. brought like a Belfast branch of it, and they hired in the team of. Hostesses, like promotion and, team, yeah, yeah, promotion team and DJ and whatever as a collective, and then offered it to the nightclub. So this is what went down in my local nightclub. I think there only was one or two in, within a twenty mile vicinity. So which, yeah, which which clubs were you kind of going to first, like before you were even working there? What are your memories of kind of going to clubs for the first time? Because it is again, it's like that question about DJs. It seems well, it doesn't seem silly now in lockdown, but it seems silly to ask about people's first experiences of clubbing. But it is such a magical thing that first time of going somewhere and hearing the music and the flashing lights and you know and, and yeah. So what are your memories of what was the name of that first venue you went to and heard you know sort of dance music and what are your um, memories of that night? I think I think we all started at a teenage teenage discos. Right, like underage uh, things. Underage things, yeah. yeah. And then I progressed from there. So there's a nightclub in Kickstown called Clubland and that would have been the first one where you were allowed alcohol and Amazing. Yeah, I think I think my parents actually met there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's very well known <laughs> in the area and it's spot it's gone back for years, so um are, are you, is there any like are you are your parents I mean obviously you mentioned the sort of music that they um like might have been listening to but is there any is there any musicality in your in your family like do they do they have a huge record collection do they only play any instruments or no. dance music they just don't get it <laughs> there's nothing there um I think they listened to I was on the radio I did a mix for Dave Tracy's show on RT Pulse a few weeks ago yeah I saw that. I think it was the first time they tuned in, kind of, to properly listen. They turned up at a gig once, but I don't think they were really listening. <laughs> and, um, they listened to that show and they were like, oh, my gosh, you were so good. Like, it was brilliant. It was it made you feel really good. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the point. That's what it does. <laughs> so do you, and do you, did you have any older brothers or sisters? Or are you, like, an only child? No, I have one younger brother. Okay, so you didn't have anyone. So it wasn't, again, that you had, because sometimes it comes up on this that there's like an older brother or sister who's mm-hmm. coming home from clubs or coming, bringing music yeah. back and, and talking about stuff. No, I think, I think my influence is quite out of the blue. I think even when I kind of announced that I was going to do this, people were quite taken aback. There was a little bit of talk and stuff. They're like, what, what, who does she think she is? You know, someone from coming from such a small town it, it was quite unusual so 
So how did so, it, okay, so let's get on to that. So so you first, at what point, can you remember that point when you were just like, right, I want, I want to be a DJ? Like, when did you have that first thought and what, and what did you did what did you do about it? Um, I got a lend of a controller from a friend. I was like, right, this is what I'm really going to do. Started watching a few YouTube tutorials, got a lend of a controller from a friend I was messing about, but still didn't really know what I was doing. And I asked the club that I was working behind the bar at the time, Clubland, which I actually ended up starting working in. Yeah. I asked the the owner at the time, Raymond, if I could come in and use their decks and kind of practice. And the guy that worked there, that DJed there, I, I'm not sure. I think they only open now once a month or something for teenagers. I'm not too sure what, what happens with that club. But um, DJ Andy Mack had asked him, can you can you show me a few bits and pieces, like what the, bu- the buttons do, like what, what happens or whatever. And Raymond just took a shine to it and thought, oh, my God, this is an expensive thing. This is great. A girl DJ in the middle of nowhere. This is going to pull in crowds. And I was like, right, you go into the club, sort yourself out and you've got a gig next Friday. And I thought, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> um, and I remember just saying, no, I was like, I can't like, I, I don't even know the buttons. <laughs> I could maybe mess about in the computer. But uh, a couple of weeks later, then he got me into the bar attached to the nightclub. And that was my first gigs. Was playing, playing in the Black Horse Bar. In the Black Horse Bar. So, what sort of setup would you have been playing off in the Black Horse Bar? I had a little tractor S two. Okay, so a little controller, and you start. So, did you sort of learn through tractor and a controller and stuff? Yeah, uh huh. And just playing. I think it was about a six hour set, six hours straight, <laughs> and no music yet, and about five hundred songs to my name. <laughs> And just giving it a while. But sure, it, I think it is that way. You have to throw yourself into the deep end to, to you know, push, push if you get the opportunity, of course. So, yeah, how it, comes up, it comes up a lot. I mean, like, you get it. James Height mentioned it. He was like, he said a very similar story about his, like, first gig in a, you know, in a dead bar in Liverpool and he was doing six hours a night. And that's where you learn, you know, you know, maybe the black horse wasn't dead, but, you know, but you sort of learn through, you know, you learn through pressure in a sense because people are there because you have to. Um, And so what was what was the sort of what was that early journey like then? So did you start doing the black horse bar on a regular basis or did you get moved into Clubland or how did you kind of like what were those first few like gigs and those first few months like? Yeah, those first few months I, I did, I done the Black Horse bar and then I think the first gig in Clubland was on Christmas. I did the Christmas okay. night because I remember dressing up for it in a little costume. And <laughs> then it, <laughs> and it quickly took off from there. Um, I'm not sure why, possibly because of my name being Irish or something, but um, I got picked up by clubs over the border in the south of Ireland very quickly. Okay. I think that's why I was confused, and I think it was a Dave Tracy thing as well. So that's why I was like, yes. I, for some reason, was completely convinced that you were from like Southern Ireland, which I think was. I know, I know. Um, yeah, from Belfast, but most of my gigs, even pre lockdown, all my gigs this year since I started back DJing, have been over the border. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, it might be the name. Not too sure. <laughs> what what and what took you from what took you from Cookstown when you were doing those early gigs? What took you to Belfast, or have you always still remained went, living in Cookstown, or like what's the story there? I went to uni in Belfast then. Ah, right, okay. Mm-hmm. So so you so you'd started DJing in Cookstown before you'd even gone to university. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, so then so then when you went to to university in Belfast, did you immediately did you try and get gigs in Belfast or? 
how yeah. did you find yeah so um I was doing a lot of PR jobs a lot of dance work a lot of giving a chance anything to get into clubs and get networking and get contacts built up yeah and um that worked pretty well I think I think I had three nights two to three nights on the go at that stage of DJing but wow. um clubs clubs open and close and nights open and close and particularly during midweek nights like they're all yeah. they're all promotion company ran or they're student nights or they worked for refreshers week or yeah. it didn't so chopped and changed it was never really reliable so I had to continue I did continue on with my degree and um and into full-time work and I've just kind of been in that strange limbo ever since of wanting to be full-time DJ but afraid to take the leap you know and commit all my time to it. Yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, I think a lot of, um, I think I think it's funny. I mean, you mentioned those midweek nights and stuff, and I think there's there's there is a there's there's a big gap in between. There's the sort of like there's obviously the big the big guys who, who you know who tour and, and can afford to like you know not have a job. But even funnily enough, even a lot even some of the guys that people would know who tour still have still have jobs. Weirdly, not all of them are full time. But then there's there are a lot of people. And it's how I did it, and it's how I guess a lot of other people do it is they may have these bigger sort of more well-established dance house EDM gigs on a weekend, but they they fill their week with student stuff, which is how mm-hmm. they can then afford to kind of not work through the week. Um, mm-hmm. But then that obviously brings its challenges because, you know, even without a global pandemic, um, you know, universities aren't 52 weeks of the year. So you, you have that, you know, and that's why, again, I have friends and some of them have been on the on the podcast, like shout out to like Ryan McDermott and Ryan Miles and PBH. Like these guys go off for the summer to like, um, to Ibiza or to, to Magaluf and Mallorca and they do summer seasons and then come back and do, do the university thing. So it's, it's not that, it's not that easy really to be able to, to make, to, to make that transition really. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Even with the summer season stuff, I did start a summer season in, Santa Ponza and again you just don't know how it's going to go through no fault of your own you know the club can just be quiet and it lasted maybe three weeks and and then they pull the plug you know so so and you mentioned that you'd sort of well I'm just reiterating what you said really you mentioned that you kind of came back to DJing it this year was there a reason that you had a break from it or was there something that so I've always been involved in dancing alongside the DJ and okay I do performance dancing and fire breathing and okay um, cool club stuff like that but um, I got an, a job offer to go to South France. Okay. For so took a summer season and did that in 2016. Okay. And then when I came home, I had kind of considered, okay, do I start back at work again or like rebuild everything? And I thought, no, I just, this is the time I need to go traveling. So then I went and spent two years in Australia. Amazing. And that was, that was enough of, <laughs> that was enough struggle with like trying to establish a DJ career on top of it or start to get work with that too. So I just took that time and took it off. So I kind of wasn't DJing maybe for about, for about two and a half, three years. How did you, how did you find the scene in Australia? Like, did you, I don't know where you were, but did you, how did you find the clubs different or did you, did you even try and get any gigs when you were in Australia? But, but I, I, did, I didn't, um, I meant to start the whole time I was there. It was like, right. Okay. I'm going to start, um, going to start learning to produce got me Ableton set up I just I just never got around it it just constant procrastination or you know always felt like I needed a mentor or someone to show me how to do it but of course you don't like DJing was the same you just kind of threw yourself in and anything you need to learn just google or youtube it yeah but um 
we're finally making a move on that now but no I did I didn't um, make any moves I went to plenty of clubs in Australia but yeah how is the scene different because it's um it's somewhere I've, I've I've been to do um a couple of gigs but I was in and out and I didn't I've never spent any great time there like mm-hmm. and I've always wondered like because you see different things like how did you find it I guess you were there what 17 18 so a couple of years ago is that is that in the sort of timeline of when you said that, you would that would have been yeah yeah 2017 2018 so not too so not too long ago like how did you find it when you went to clubs there was it was it vastly different from what you remember you know from 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 Belfast and stuff like that or was it yeah um <laughs> <laughs> the, the music seems to be a lot heavier or I'm not too sure. They're still kind of in that EDM phase or like progressive EDM phase. Okay. Um, where the DJs that you thought you were going to see and their music, it just it was just an explosion of kids and um and drugs. <laughs> it was incredible. Like it was a whole new world uh, of stuff that just opened up. But then when I came home, everyone kind of said that the same thing that it's just exploded over the past couple of years and it's so accessible to everyone. Yeah. But yeah, mental. What was it? Did you do any? Um, you know, you said you're part of that other side of the, the the club world of dancing and promotion stuff. Did you do any of that in Australia, or was that where you was that again? When you yeah, there? I, I did a little bit of dancing in Australia. Um, I think it's not quite the same as Europe. So Europe has really sort of glamorized the dancing, and it's quite classy. But I, I think yeah. because possibly because like stripping and prostitution and everything is still legal over there, it's not the same and I've maybe done done two or three gigs and I thought uh, you're not respected the same Um, so no yeah it's really I mean it's it's a strange one I guess it's not something I want to talk too massively about in this podcast about DJing but even when I've been you know obviously Ibiza and and even with with BCM and those places like the girls there like it is really high class skilled Mm-hmm. like stuff that's going on so like yeah maybe the thing in australia is a little bit different so talk us yeah. through the mindset then because this is really interesting of of um of, of of sort of the start of this year obviously you know let's not talk about the, the pandemic yet but just your mindset of how you decided to go about getting back into it what sort of plan you had made to um to do that and how it kind of unfolded mm-hmm. so initially it was just getting getting back into it i went and got some equipment again and I was just starting to post on social media and, and get the word out that it was. I I was very lucky that I got picked up again quite quickly. And I still have a lot of contacts in the industry and a lot of contacts that I would have DJed before in the past. So as soon as I kind of announced it on social media, it got a bit of a bit of traction, a bit of attention. And and then things started happening, which was it's great. I think it's um definitely a massive benefit being a girl because people do talk um, and it's so because it's so rare, you know. Yeah, I think it's, I don't, I don't know if it's, um, I guess it's me to ask you really, like it it definitely, I mean, what do you see as the the positives and what do you see as the negatives of being a female DJ in what is a very male dominated DJing world? Mm -hmm. Um, Positives, definitely that everyone wants something different and it does attract a bit of attention and positives and negatives alongside looking great on a poster and attracting attention I think there was there was a time when I started to lose a little bit of love for it because it was just being hired as a gimmick to put the poster I walked into the club and they said okay well um play this or do this or you know keep a quick commercial or you know we have a lot of hens and stags in tonight so you know keep that in mind and I was like well why did you hire me then and I did I did 
I really felt the pressure and was just playing music that I wouldn't even listen to in my free time, you know, because that was the audience and it did, it did, um, did make me lose a little bit of love for it. But um, we're back, back saying that that won't happen again. And like, this is, this is me, this is who I am. And I suppose that's down to me too. Uh, constantly doing my mixes and putting those online to make sure clubs know what they're getting. And I don't want to be hired as a gimmick. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just got some, some really interesting, really interesting things. I, I know from, you know, cause I have various hats from being a DJ to being a manager, to being a promoter, to being whatever. And, and I can sort of see those different things in the sense of, it definitely resonates with me what you were saying there about about someone potentially just saying, "Oh, look, you know, Kiev would look great on a poster." Do you know what I mean? Like, we're sick of having you know guys with black caps and black t shirts. Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't it look amazing to have Kiev on there? And ultimately, you know, there are there are girls out there. You know, in the, they tend to be weirdly in the sort of techno world, don't they? Like Peggy and, and people like that who who you know are taken very seriously. Um, but but that's, I find that's also a thing as well. I almost feel pressured to try and wear almost like don't glam up don't dress up yeah look more male almost yeah like make make stuff really plain you know wear a cap when you're DJing and just you know focus on the music to be taken seriously and that shouldn't be the way yeah I think it is just because you know it's definitely one of the things that um you know I've, I've had um Hannah Lang on the podcast before and I was um I was supposed to record one with Jess Bays last week but we've rescheduled and stuff so there are other you know females that I've talked to on this specific podcast about it and it's definitely something that's interesting without you know harping on about it forever but it is interesting and like you say there's it obviously adds a different because I don't tend to have to worry about what I wear when I DJ. Do you know what I mean? Like ultimately, mm-hmm. if I decide to, you know, I'm I'm pretty boring in the sense of I do tend to wear a black t-shirt and stuff. But just because I'm I'm not particularly flamboyant and and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, no one really judges me on what I wear. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whereas I guess there is that different um, mind. It's definitely just a thought process, isn't there, about you considering what you would wear? Because even I chuckled before when you said about Christmas and getting dressed up as Santa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's that kind of thing where. And then there's plenty of guys that would get dressed up as Santa to do a Christmas gig. You know, that, there's nothing out of the ordinary there. But yeah, it's definitely things that I haven't always um, considered. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that, you know, I will we'll definitely go on to ask you about, like, you know, what advice you would have to any other um, girls who might be thinking about trying to get into DJing. Like, what advice would you have for, for anyone listening who's, yeah, who's a girl who's, trying, who's thinking about it? Um, definitely just stick to who you are in yourself. You really need to be clear and concise about who you are, the message you want to get across and where you want to go with this. And yes, you know what? If you want to be a gimmick, that's absolutely fine too. Go for it. You know, dress up, take love, beautiful photo shoots, but you, you have to take, you have to take the stick with it and develop a thick skin too, because people are going to doubt your abilities when, when you're a girl and, you have less clues on, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, who's the girl? Oh, I've forgotten her name now. She's really embarrassed. I'm not having a good day. Who's the girl who did the, the sort of far deck videos uh, and she was getting... Oh, TCM. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like... and it's. I mean, She's so talented, but nobody sees that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it is. And it's just, it's that, it's that thing where, like, you know, ultimately what she was doing in a, you know, 
in a way, isn't a hundred isn't a hundred miles away from what James Hype does. Do you know what I mean? On those little social video videos, James Hype stuff is very slick, very well filmed. Do you know what I mean? Blah blah blah. But like ultimately, what they're doing is quick mixing, quick technical abilities on CDJs and stuff like that. Whereas I just think that just because she's a female, it's viewed in a different way, and I think that's that. It must be really frustrating. One hundred percent. The the likes of GCM and Mary Ferrari, they've obviously had to develop that thicker skin. I know they're bound to be reading comments, they're bound to know. But I guess the people who are worth impressing are, are watching. Whereas you get the likes of Peggy and Deborah DeLuca and these girls who just kind of keep it toned down to be taken seriously for the music. But they probably do have to work harder then. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think there's a, I think it's a really interesting, like, dynamic in there because obviously i had like um louis dunmore on the podcast who's obviously simon's son from defected and stuff and there's obviously opportunities which have been afforded to louis because of you know who his dad is um but at the same time he he's probably had to work harder to prove himself because of that do you know what i mean and i think it it's something that resonates which is you know ultimately and you mentioned it at the start potentially you got given that first gig uh, in cookstown easier than maybe a, another young lad who'd been trying practicing or whatever but then when the light shined on you you almost have to prove yourself even more exactly yeah mm-hmm. so there definitely is given even closer to every transition yeah to, yeah. to find to find fault mm-hmm. and how do you like so i mean interestingly and i, and I ask this of, of of a lot of djs especially in, in the modern era that we live in but Coming back from, you know, the start of this year, how, what was your plan for your social media? Like, how did you want to make sure that you um, expressed and translated the image and the artist that you wanted to be through your social media platforms? Mm-hmm. I, get, I guess there, there definitely is an element there of, of considering how I come across with every photo to, to kind of channel the more alternative side of my personality over like it's, it's so strange like immediately because you're blonde you can't wear anything pink you can't look like a Paris Hilton do you know what I mean <laughs> um there's there's just little I have the same problem with my grey hair it's fine fantasy. don't worry <laughs> yeah I have the same problem with my grey hair nothing pink never mm-hmm. no there's just there's definitely like even fashion style content um everything you know if you're doing live I'd done a live stream there um, not live stream, I put up a video of a mix for the first time there a couple of weeks ago. And instantly I was like, oh gosh, I have to do this again. Like I need to cover up my shoulders. I need to, you know, put more clothes on. It, it's definitely something you consider. Yeah, I wouldn't, I I mean, I wouldn't enjoy that. I don't like, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I don't particularly like posting even just normal pictures of me anyway. So the fact that I would have to go into that and consider even more greatly about what I was wearing and how I was coming across. And exactly. yeah, I, I would really, I would really struggle with that. Um, what if, cause do you do, uh, is it a monthly like podcast that you do? At the moment it's weekly. All right. Sorry. So, so tell us, so tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Tell us about launching it and what sort of music you play on there and what sort of artists you're championing. And yeah, just tell us a little bit about the podcast really. And, yeah, so kick started off at the start of um, the start of quarantine lockdown um, when I was making playlists, and then my friends were all like, "Oh, I really like last week's Spotify playlist that you were making, but you know you've deleted those songs now to put next week's playlist up." And I thought, right, okay, well I'll fire all the songs from last week's playlist into mix and stick it up online, and that that's kind of developed over the weeks. Um, but now that I'm back full time at work, I've just went back. 
um, this Monday, full time at work. You know, I, I do want to keep it up. I really want to, you know, keep that momentum building. So how do you make the mix? How do you make it? Do you do it on uh, Ableton or do you do it live on Tractor and record it? Or how do you how do you actually? Uh, Serato. So since I, I used to be used to be a Tractor girl and then um, since coming back, I've, I've transitioned over to Serato. So I record it on there and then upload it to SoundCloud and MixCloud. So you sort of record it live, like as you would you do a set as you would normally yep. do the set and record it through through Serato and then you yep. upload it and stuff. And what sort of um and it's called Up All Up All Up All Night. Up yeah. All Night with Kiva. Mm-hmm. And you can get that on Mixcloud and SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And what sort of stuff, if someone's gonna go and check it out and tune in, what sort of stuff would people be expecting to hear on there? What sort of music are you championing right now? What are you into personally? So it's mostly deep house progressive house tech house but all vocal okay. um pr- pretty much all vocal um kind of the it's taking all the new music so i'll sort through everything on a thursday night cool. and um collect all the new songs that are out that week and the ones that appeal to me and then i'll kind of like fill the gaps in with with stuff that's out this year so it is really recent music nice one um, and what are your, I mean, I've, I don't think any of us really know where um, the lockdown, well, you know, if lockdown's ending, but I don't really know, I think any of us know when clubs as we know them were back open. But mm-hmm. and I know you're busy with going back to work, but what are your sort of, what are your plans? How are you formulating stuff in your mind about going forward and coming out of this into the rest of 2020 and into 2021? What would you like to be? achieving like with your you know with your dj career and stuff where would you like to be playing what sort of um yeah what's the plans really plans um i'm hopefully going i don't want to say too much we'll not drink so but hopefully um going into training now in a couple of weeks time to do a radio show on a local radio station here in belfast nice fingers crossed for that that'll maybe open up the promotion side of things and also, I've started my course on Ableton and producing, and I would like to have a track out by the end of the year. You know, even if I need a little bit of help of it, of you know, I'd like to be the influence behind it. It's all up here. I just can't compute it yet. But um, yeah, I'll get there. I'm doing a course online. On so how far are you into the course? Um, I can't remember the guy's name who is taking the course, but it's, it's on Skillshare. So okay. it's like a subscription service and they do like, everyone sticks their courses online it's, it's really good it's really easy to follow cool because so. that was what i was gonna ask you really if there's anyone listening who just it's you know like you was pr- pr- procrastinating you when you were in australia if anyone's out there and they're just sort of they really think they want to do it but they haven't got around to it just just give us a little bit of, of of your mindset and experience of how you started that course and what sort of stuff you've been learning and again imagine that people have never even opened ableton what you know how have you found it just just talk us through that little part of the experience yeah so it is so much more intimidating before you start I think just when you do just open it or you've just got the trial or something of it, it's so intimidating to look at. But it's getting that step, that good step by step guide. And there is loads on on the likes of YouTube if you don't want to pay for them that um, can get you started. And it's just it's just that little bit of dedication, like bringing that dedication up inside you to to imagine what that's going to do for you in five years time or in 10 years time. And you just have to keep that keep that goal in sight. Cool. That's some really good advice. Um, well, let's 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 wrap it up in some of the ways that we do it so first of all i'm going to ask you to curate your um like a dream gig 
So this is like you get to kind of pick the venue, like the location where we have the gig. So this can be, um, it can be somewhere you have actually played or it can be somewhere that you would love to play or it can just be a kind of a generic thing. So, for example, you could say, oh, it's a, an underground tiny little club with 200 capacity or you can say it's like, oh, it's it's high in Ibiza because I've been there and I love it. Or you can be like, it's just a festival with 100,000 people. Like, So we need a kind of a venue to have this this gig, which you, which you choose. And then we're going to have um, three like acts playing. So um, there's not really a headliner. It's just like one, two, and three. The act can be, um, you can be on the lineup uh, or you can just attend um, and you can create it however you like. So one act can be, you know, two DJs back to back. One act can be a live act like, you know, Daft Punk or Chemical Brothers. It can be a band. It can be whoever you want, really. It's just a whole dream sort of thing, dead or alive, whatever you want. It's just sort of your perfect dream gig that you get to curate for us and it's just in the moment now so it could be different if i asked you yesterday it could be different if i asked you tomorrow but just where we are right now um where do you think you would love to have a gig right now whether you were going whether you were going to it or whether you were playing at it where do you think you'd like to be don't worry about social distancing just nothing we've we've (laughs) gone past this we're okay Um, I've actually like come across really recently the circle gigs on YouTube where they're recording. I think the last one I watched was on the, I think it was in the Alps or in, maybe on the French border and it was two DJs facing each other. It was incredible. Like just the atmosphere. I'd love to do something like that. Um, I would probably kickstart it off because my stuff would be a little more vocal, a little more commercial. Nice. You're going to start like it. Yeah, maybe followed up um, by a little Tim Berg or IPs, old school stuff. Yeah, nice. Um, that would be amazing. And it'll have to be dead nice to finish. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I gave like... old stuff. That's probably what got me into. That sounds like a, a good gig. I would definitely be I would definitely be up for coming. Um, mm-hmm. And if people want to find out more about you kiva give us some hit us with some how can they find you on facebook instagram um soundcloud what should they be searching for spell it out or give us the um the urls or whatever just the best way that people can find you and i'll stick it in the show notes as well sure it's uh facebook would be kiva you can look it up forward slash kiva dot dj yeah um instagram's the same at kiva dot dj and SoundCloud and MixCloud are both forward slash DJ Kiva. Nice. You got in there. You, you got in there and got the good simple ones. Um, <laughs> and what I'm going to do is ask you to give us a track to just play out the podcast. It can be anything you like. It can be brand new. It can be old. It can remind you of something. It can, um, you know, it can be whatever you like, but give us the name of the track. Um, tell us why you like it and then you can send me it and I'll stick it on in post. So introduce the track that's going to play us out and just explain a little bit about why you like it and why right now you think it'd be great for everyone to hear it. Oh, we'll go for a little, um, a little reflect. I need to feel loved. Um, yeah, it um, started started bringing in that progressive house vibes when I was younger and um, took things from a very like scene kid kind of thing down into DJing. So, yeah. That's a, good... a great choice. Thanks so much. Great to speak to you. Bye. Thanks very much, Felix. Bye. Felix Lighters in the house. The podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.
I'm in love. 